Hi there and welcome to the show. My name is Tim. My guest today is Stephen Aspeling, also known as Spling. He's a film critic that's been working in the film industry for a number of years here in Cape Town. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tim. Great to be on the show. And what a wonderful day it is in Cape Town. I think we can say that just about any week, any day of the week. Yes, it is a very beautiful day today. And I'm excited to speak with you about your career in film. So let us know perhaps how you got into the film industry and a little bit about your history in terms of building an interest in film. Well, my biography usually starts off something along the lines of having seen the psychedelic elephant dance from Dumbo and how as a kid I was so mesmerized and even probably a little bit scared by this film thing from Disney. And I think what really drew me to the idea of film is that it's such a beautiful combination of so many different art forms. You've got the soundtrack, you've got the visuals, you've got the performance from the actors. Everything is blending together to create this illusion, this idea of a reality and a story that you can really just sink into. I recently spoke with someone who described the video store experience as a number of doorways. And I loved that concept and that idea that when you walk into a video store, you've got a bunch of movie posters on the covers, and each of those represents a different kind of dream, I suppose. And I've always been interested in dreams, so that's kind of where I went in terms of just getting into film and appreciating it. And... I'd always wanted to be a film critic from my days at school. I did art and English and did quite well at those two things. And the perfect blend of those two things, in my mind at least, was to be a film critic. That's how it all started. And from that point, I did a BA in film media and visual studies and started writing a blog where I reviewed a film a day for a year. And that's really where it all kicked off. So... They say that if you write about something long enough on the internet, eventually you'll become an expert. And in a few ways, that's quite true of what happened for me, because that's what my launch pad was. That's where I got a foot in the door. That's where people started reading my reviews. And that's where I was able to launch into offering my services and my reviews to other websites. And that's how you get started. I like how you use the analogy of the video store which was quite a big part of our, our youth growing up, going to the video store, choosing a VHS tape to watch with your friends. And these days we're living in quite an, an interesting time when it comes to film. Uh, cinemas are closing down, video stores are almost gone entirely. What do you think about the time we're living in now when it comes to film? Are you still excited about the future? Are things changing for you? What are your thoughts over the last few decades in terms of changes in the film industry? So there have been some massive changes in the film industry. And I think from a movie critic perspective alone, you can actually see a huge shift from the print medium to digital. That's been a massive change. We've seen many critics now turning into more generic entertainment journalist type people. And many papers don't really have the budget to push their arts and culture section anymore. 
So they're relying on sister publications and syndication deals where they can just simply borrow another review from another newspaper and then publish that instead of actually having someone write an independent film review. So it's really changed quite a bit just in terms of the technology taking over from the internet, making it much cheaper and easier and more accessible for people to get their film reviews and opening up the platform for just about anyone to write whatever they want to say about a film. So it's no longer a situation where you go and buy a newspaper to see what the reviewers said about a certain film or to check what showtimes are happening when. Nowadays, you just go onto the internet, you go to your favorite website, or you search for a review and one will pop up and there you go. So in terms of the film criticism side of things, it's really changed quite a bit. And in terms of the film distribution and cinema chain kind of idea, it's also changed in a big way. Streaming services now are starting to really cut into that market share. And as we've seen with video stores now, the advent of services like Netflix, where they were originally sending DVDs in the mail, have now made it so different because it's much easier. It's much more accessible than having to go and pick up a video at the video store and then return it the next day. So the ease of access and accessibility and convenience has really been a huge game changer. As they say, it's a disruptor. And they went even a step further with the internet by being able to actually download this film straight to your television. So we've seen some massive shifts. Nowadays, it's not just the big screen for films. We've got about six or seven different screens we can watch films on. And the distribution model is such that being online, it can be instantaneous. When the film is released that day, there it is. In the old way, we would have to wait for films to hit the cinema and then wait a couple of months before we'd actually be able to watch it again on DVD or video or whatever it was. So there's been some massive shifts in the entire spectrum of what it is that uh, film stands for. And a couple of things that are sort of reoccurring, like 3D and the gimmicks of that kind of thing. But yeah, there's been a huge groundswell and things have definitely mixed up. And I think it is an exciting time for people like myself. We are having to stay relevant by not just reviewing the films that are on cinema, but also tending towards the films that are now getting a lot of attention during awards season. You look at Netflix with Marriage Story, The Irishman, they've got a whole slew of films each year that is now getting uh, the traction that they would want that to have. Yeah, it's certainly an interesting and exciting time for consumers in South Africa, having access to streaming services like Netflix, Showmax, Amazon Prime, so there's a lot to choose from, but it's also an interesting time for the cinema in terms of the, the complexes in malls, for example. So you'll know that the waterfront here in Cape Town has had a new metro cinema for many, many years. It's been incredibly popular. And in recent times, they've opened up premier cinemas there with 3D and 4D capabilities. But as we speak now, it appears as if they're actually closing down, which I find to be quite interesting because the waterfront is a very, very busy mall and that cinema has always been incredibly popular. So why do you think this is happening? I think the streaming service revolution is upon us. I think that people are wanting to feel more, they're getting the same level of quality entertainment at home now as they were on the big screen. And the home entertainment centers are getting bigger and better and 
just as comfortable as uh, the kind of thing that you would expect from big cinema complexes. The benefit being that you're not competing with other people to actually watch the film. You get to watch it in your own time. You get to pause it. You get to kick your feet up and do whatever you want. Even watch it naked if you really wanted to. <laughs> and uh, the difference is that it's all according to your own specific preferences. When you go to a cinema, you've got all sorts of other people to contend with. You've got a full screening maybe where everyone's just packed in there. It's not as comfortable as watching it in your own home on the Lazy Boy. So, you know, you you might be able to mimic that experience by going to a VIP or Cine Prestige kind of cinema where there are fewer seats and people that are probably wanting to watch the film in a more serious fashion. But it's just not that much better than it is at home. And I think that's the difference. One of the things I did recently was to create 10 rules of cinema etiquette. I was really wanting cinemas to post that in their foyers so that everyone would get a good idea of what to do and what not to do at the cinema. Because there isn't an existing list of rules. You know, people will arrive late, they will have their torch on their phone on, they'll be shining it in people's faces, people will be kicking chairs, people will just generally be a little bit discourteous to the other patrons. And when I go into a cinema, and obviously being a film critic in a professional capacity, it's slightly different, but I'm used to people actually being there for a reason, and that's to watch the film. And it always irks me a little bit when I go to a public screening and people haven't got that same sort of agenda. They're actually there just to kill some time. They don't really care if they see the film or not. They just want to have a good time, and, and sometimes that's at other people's expense. So I think it's just being able to control the environment and people are so used to choice these days that being able to have it the way you want it is exactly what people are after and why would they spoil that by going to a cinema. And the cinemas have also just failed to, to roll with the changes. It's a classic case of a disruptor disrupting the market because of a stagnation with the industry itself. So they haven't really made that customization process leap that they should have. For instance, putting headphone jacks into seats so that you can actually uh, take your own headphones and actually listen to the movie uninterrupted or not distracted by the person talking on their phone or just getting a, a much clearer experience of, of what you're there for. So it's those kind of things that maybe have it probably hasn't grown with and that's what's costing it at the moment. It is interesting to think about the idea of choice when it comes to consuming film, because with the streaming services, you can not only watch full-length films, but you can watch uh, shorter films, series, miniseries. So for example, the other night I watched a four-part miniseries on Oscar Pistorius on Amazon Prime. And I feel that whether it's a miniseries or a docuseries or a full-length film or a short film, I'm still consuming film, essentially, but in the way that I want to. If I need to pause it or watch the rest the next day, I can do that. If I want to watch everything all at once, I can do that. And so I think the consumer becomes very used to this idea that they're in control in terms of their watching habits because everybody is different. Some of my friends say that they could never watch a film over two or three days, but I actually quite like that because sometimes in a two or three hour film, there's so much going on. You want to reflect on what you've just watched in the last hour and come back to that much like reading a book. So I think there's definitely some novelty in that. But having said all of that, 
if there's a film coming out that you really want to see, if we think of a really great blockbuster in recent times, like Inception, for example, that's a great film to watch at the cinema from start to finish with the sound effects and to be with other people. So I think we still need both, but it's going to be very interesting to see how the cinemas keep up with the changing times because, of course, more and more people are going to be watching at home and becoming comfortable with having a choice in their pockets, I guess. Yeah, I've noticed that the cinemas, their attempt at keeping up has been to really just create a slightly different experience than you would be able to manufacture at home. So obviously 3D screens are out there, but you know they've got 3D that actually involves 4DX, taking it to the fourth dimension and having fans and smoke machines and really trying to add another level to your film viewing experience. And then also with the VIP kind of cinema model, they're trying to make it even more fancy, like a first-class ticket in an airplane, as opposed to economy class. They're trying to sort of pull out all the stops, have you getting food on a tray served to you, just trying to make it much more pleasant and luxurious than you might have at home. So yeah, there is still something to the occasion of going to a film, but I think that entire model hasn't really been reinvented well enough to keep it a regular activity. And that's why I think the idea of film going has slightly been downgraded in the media. Radio stations aren't really getting as many critics to talk about film. Inserts in magazines and publications aren't really as broad or as in-depth as they used to be. So there's just this shift of taking the focus off of film specifically and gravitating more towards this general sort of entertainment thing. We do see things like open air cinemas, which does kind of blend the idea of maybe a picnic under the stars with going to a film, which is also quite novel. But it does seem like that is how it's at the moment. You kind of need to have that extra something, not just have a film showing that's just been released. That's just not enough anymore. On that note, I guess I've been thinking about the traditional model of when a film came out and was at the cinema, everybody saw it, perhaps rented it. If you think of the very big movies in the past couple of decades, whether it's Dirty Dancing or Home Alone or E.T. or whatnot, they were cultural phenomenons because of the model that they emerged out of. Whereas nowadays, with everything that is happening, all the change and the disruption, I wonder if we will still have those kind of classic films that emerge as amazing crowd pleasers because if everybody's watching something different and there's so much choice i wonder if a lot of these newer films that come out in modern times will fly under the radar i mean we have seen more of a polarization between big budget films like the marvel and the dc the comic book films and then a lot of other films on the other side that have much smaller budgets that perhaps don't get seen by as many people and so i'm just really interested in seeing what actually happens in the future in terms of how films are financed and how they are appreciated. But I guess there's also an incredible emergence of films coming out from different parts of the world and an interest in films that are more culturally relevant. So for example, here in South Africa, we're seeing a lot more local content hitting the screens, hitting the streaming services. And so perhaps in the end, it really is a good scenario for everyone because there is ultimately more diversity in the uh, films that are being produced. Yeah, you even look at Netflix and they've got films that will be sort of run-of-the-mill, like Wednesday kind of release-type films. And then you've got the ones like Murder Mystery with Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston, where they just give it a lot more focus. And it's interesting because you're talking about E.T. 
And back then, you know, when a film came out, there probably weren't as many film releases each week as we are used to now. And also, they had the time to really plan their campaign. They were able to sort of really just capture the imagination of audiences because it was at that time where they were sort of just starting to maybe play up the fantasy element of film a lot more and with enough realism through CGI and animatronics to actually get to that point. But back then, I would imagine that a film like E.T. would have had quite a long buildup and there would have been a lot of anticipation around its release. And, you know, word of mouth was probably the best way that film actually spread at that point. And you could watch it at the cinema or that was it. And people were probably going to the cinema a lot more. And so there was more chance of your film getting seen and spreading like, you know, a Blade Runner or I think Blade Runner was probably a bit more of a dark horse in that respect. But E.T., it's an event film. So I think Netflix is at that point now where because it's got a, a broad database and they're able to speak directly to each of their subscribers, they're able to really just push the focus of any film they really want to. Because when you pop onto your Netflix homepage, there it is. You know, you could have that film trailer playing immediately and then draw interest from people across the world. And it's not just going into one market. It's not going to be released in the States and then in China. It can all happen simultaneously. And as we know, with the social media world and the explosion of trending this or trending that, that would be one way to really just get a, a real big phenomenon going in its own right. The streaming services still really amaze me as someone coming from a background where we never had that growing up. We just had the cinemas, we had the, the VHS tapes, and then we went on to DVDs, which we thought was a really big deal. And now to be on streaming services where you can just turn the TV on, find something to watch, and watch it in HD, it still blows my mind. But imagine a younger person growing up in this time where that's all they know. They didn't experience what we did growing up. So it's something I think about a lot in terms of convenience. But I'm also really interested in the stories that are emerging in film from time to time that get everybody's attention. So I'm thinking of the movie Parasite, for example, the South Korean film that won Best Film at the Academy Awards. And you and I both saw that film. I don't think there was much marketing around it, certainly not much hype. I don't think anybody else in our circles was even aware of the film. And then once it won, it just got so much attention Everybody wanted to watch it. And so it's quite exciting to see how the internet and you know award ceremonies can really push certain films forward. The South Korean film Parasite was the first you know international film to win Best Picture at the Academy Awards. So despite all the disruption in the industry and the changes, we're still seeing some very exciting events happening. Yeah, I mean, I think that there still are event films out there. Christopher Nolan is one director that when he releases a film, you know, everyone's talking about it before it comes out. And he's managed to successfully bridge the art house and commercial scene. So he's made his films critically acclaimed and commercially viable at the same time, which is quite a rare and difficult thing to achieve. But he's managed to do that and he's a real professional and it shines through in his work. And when you're talking about Parasite, you know, if you make a great film and it does catch the wind, it's going to grow and you don't have, even have to have a big budget. I mean, you look at paranormal activity. If it captures the world's imagination, 
it's going to get out there eventually and it's going to turn people's heads and they're going to take notice. It doesn't have to be in English. It can be in a foreign language, as we've seen with Parasite. And so I was very pleased for the film and the film industry that, you know, that kind of film actually was given the credit it deserved and also the attention it deserved. A lot of these smaller independent kind of releases don't really, um, they kind of fly under the radar. And that just seems like a travesty to me. So I was very pleased to see that. And and obviously, you know, depending on where you grew up, you may have been going to drive-ins, you may have been going to the cinema as a kid. There are just so many different ways that you are enticed into watching and being a part of this whole film experience thing. And it is a bit sad to think that some people are now just going to get locked into the the sort of streaming model as opposed to the occasion model of actually going out as part of an event and sharing that experience with a whole bunch of people. And I think maybe where we've lost it a bit is with cinemas have become more like factory farms where they're just trying to get the customer into the cinema, get them to watch the film, get them out. And it's just all about turning a buck rather than the love of film. And I think that's maybe why they haven't managed to retain that loyal customer base because if you are getting treated like cattle, it's not going to really encourage that experience to continue. And if your customer service is excellent and you're looking after the viewer, you're looking after their experience, then you are going to naturally encourage them to repeat that experience. And I think maybe that's the missing link when it comes to cinema in this country. Great. Well, it's been wonderful speaking with you today, Stephen. Thanks for your insights into the film industry in South Africa at this point in time, especially around cinemas and streaming services. It's been a really wonderful chat. If anybody wants to get in touch with you, can you maybe run through your websites and email address? Yeah, thanks, Tim. It's been great chatting about the landscape of cinema and how it's evolved over the times and the kind of interesting stuff that streaming is bringing to the party. If you're looking to check out my reviews and features, check out splingmovies.com or at splingmovies or facebook.com forward slash splingmovies and just put spling into Google and uh, there I'll be. All right. Thanks, Tim.